Why celibacy for priests? In this episode, I'll continue the discussion from the last episode and present a few thoughts to ponder from Robert Cardinal Serra on the subject, from his book that he co-authored with Pope Benedict entitled, From the Depths of Our Hearts, Priesthood, Celibacy, and the Crisis of the Catholic Church. This will not be in any way an exhaustive treatment of Cardinal Serra's words on the subject, but rather just some food for thought. Welcome to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck White. Please join me on an adventurous search for the true, the good, and the beautiful. No more shall you be called forsaken, nor your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be espoused. For as a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Words from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 62, verses 4 and 5. The church, of course, recognizes Jesus as the bridegroom in Isaiah's messianic prophecy. Jesus calls himself the bridegroom when the disciples of John asked him why his disciples did not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. That's from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And St. John prophesied too in the book of Revelation, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It's from the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, verse 7. Again in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. When reflecting upon priestly celibacy, we can't take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, the church's bridegroom. As priests are configured for to Christ and act in persona Christi in the church, in the person of Christ. Cardinal Sarah constantly makes reference to the image of the bridegroom in his discussion on celibacy. He quotes Pope St. John Paul II, quote, The church, as the spouse of Jesus Christ, wishes to be loved by the priest in the total and exclusive manner in which Jesus Christ, her head and spouse, loved her. Priestly celibacy, then, is the gift of self in and with Christ to his church and expresses the priest's service to the church in and with the Lord. End quote. Cardinal Sarah says, This statement by St. John Paul II is of capital importance. It holds up celibacy as a need of the church. The church needs men who love with the very love of Christ, the bridegroom. End quote. He continues, You can say that the church would no longer understand herself if she were no longer loved totally 
by celibate priests who sacramentally represent Christ the bridegroom, end quote. Continuing, the priest's capacity for spousal love is entirely given to and reserved for the church. The logic of the priesthood excludes any other spouse than the church. And in another place, the priest is capable of being a husband and a father according to the flesh, but by his celibacy he renounces that form of human flourishing. Out of love he chooses to deprive himself of it in order to live as the exclusive husband of the church. End quote. This idea of the priest configured to Jesus Christ and being married to the church is an ancient one and precedes the first Lateran Council of 1123 AD, which is typically deemed to have been the church council that universally imposed celibacy upon its priests. Says Cardinal Sarah, Some will tell me that priestly celibacy is only a discipline that was imposed at a late date in the Latin church on her clerics. Historical honesty obliges me to declare that they are false. Serious historians know from that the 4th century on, the councils recall the necessity of continence for priests. We must be precise. Many married men were ordained priests during the first millennium. But from the day of their ordination on, they were obliged to abstain from sexual relations with their wives. End quote. Of the decision of the First Lateran Council, Cardinal Sarah says, The fact that such a demanding decision aroused no opposition proves that the law of clerical continence was not something new. End quote. And then Cardinal Sarah mentions the Council of Elvira, a meeting of the bishops of the Iberian Peninsula held in the first six years of the 4th century. Let me read up. Canon 27 from that council. Quote, a bishop or any priest at all may have with him only a sister or a virgin daughter dedicated to God. It is decided that he by no means have a stranger. End quote. And Canon 33 from the Council of Elvira. It is decided that marriage be altogether prohibited to bishops, priests, and deacons or to all clerics placed in ministry, and that they, they keep away from their wives and not beget children. Whoever does this shall be deprived of the honor of the clerical office. Again, this is at the very beginning of the 4th century. This is confirmed by Pope Syracius in a letter to Himerius, the bishop of Terracina, a city that's near Rome, writing in 385 AD on the celibacy of the clergy. Lastly, St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, late in the 4th century, confirmed this in his On the Duties of the Clergy, Book 1 and Chapter 50. We see then that the church has seen priests as bridegrooms of the church as early as the first part of the 4th century. I'll conclude with some more words from Cardinal Sarah. How I would love it if all of my confreres could someday experience the welcome of a priest in an African village that recognizes Christ the bridegroom in him. What an explosion of joy, what festivity, the songs, the dances, the effusiveness, and the meals express the gratitude of the people for this gift of self in Christ. End quote. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. Come back soon.